Good morning. You are listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. Out of love and concern for our neighbors and church members, uh, we've made the decision to cancel Sunday morning worship services throughout the month of April. Instead, we will be recording and releasing weekly mini worship services, an opportunity for you to uh, hear a song that praises our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to join us in prayer, and to hear God's word read and proclaimed. We hope that you are well. We pray for your safety. We pray for your family, and we pray for uh, our nation and world in these uncertain times.
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, we come before you, you who are king of the universe, you who are Lord over all. And we lift up to you our praises. And while we're not actually in a church building, we can still worship you and we can still praise your name. And Lord, I ask on this Palm Sunday that we remember that you are, your son was really a king, but not in the sense that the people of Jerusalem thought at the time. And I ask as we come into this Easter season that you remember that this king gave his life for us. And he did it because he was doing the will of the Father. And the Father's will was that his son die on the cross and that his shed blood would save us from all of our sins. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's exactly what happens to us. And Lord, now, as this uh, COVID crisis continues, some of us are getting a little weary. And maybe there's some depression that sets in. And maybe our faith wavers a little bit. And we're wondering, why? When is this going to end? And Lord, I ask that you put it within us to keep our faith strong. And yes, we have to take precautions, and we need to abide by what those, the people in charge have put before us. But above that, we have the love of Jesus, and he will take care of us. And all we need to do is ask him to do that, and he's more than happy to do it. Lord, I pray for the members of our congregation. There are some who are have illnesses, and there are some who are in treatments, and they're especially vulnerable at this time, and I ask that you place a hedge of protection around them. And Lord, many of us have family members and friends and neighbors who we're concerned about, and I ask that you would protect them also. During this time when we can't meet face to face. Help us to take the technology that you have made available to us and help us to be creative and to involve other people, maybe through Zoom, maybe through others. And I ask that you be with our pastor today as he brings a message about Palm Sunday. And help us to open our hearts and to receive these words that he is going to give to us. And Lord, I want us to reflect on this Easter Sunday, Good Friday, that is coming up. Reflect on what Good Friday was and also reflect what Easter is. And I ask that you be with us all as we go through this trying time. And bless our congregation, Lord. 
And with this, I lift up all the petitions to you in your precious name. Amen. If you'll turn in your scriptures with me to the book of Luke, chapter 19. And we're going to look at verses 28 through 40. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40 tells us this. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to imagine for a second that you're in a bit of, bit of trouble, a spot of bother or some sort of predicament, and you need help. What, what times in your life have you been in such a thing? Maybe there's, there's something major that's happened. You've, you've been swimming in a, a river or ocean, and you've gotten out just a little bit too far, and, and you, you need some help to get back in. Uh, or maybe you uh, have been lost in a city that you're unfamiliar with, and you, you don't know how to get to where you're supposed to be going. Or maybe it's something less dramatic and a little bit more metaphysical where you're just confused about what you ought to be doing with your life. Or you're, you're troubled by illness or death. In a lot of situations, we need rescue. We need help. As Katie and I were in the process of moving to Oregon we found ourselves in the need of of an unusual rescue. We were in the midst of an unusual rescue. We had been driving a 16-foot-long box truck across the country from Illinois to Oregon, and as we were coming through the town of Hood River, 
uh, with a deadline to meet so that we could sign the papers for our new apartment. We were coming up a hill on Interstate 84, heading west, almost there, and I could see smoke coming out the back of the truck. It was terrifying. And so we come to the top of the hill, and as we're at the top of the hill, there's a place, thankfully, to pull over. And I swung that truck off to the side of the road and then noticed that there was an 18-wheeler, tractor-trailer, whatever you want to call it, who was swinging off the road right behind us. And the truck driver, having gotten his truck to stop, jumps out and starts yelling, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. And so I get the, the truck turned off, and we get Katie and our dog Bacon out of the truck, and, and we start looking. And thankfully, nothing was on fire. It was just a, a minor leak in the oil pan that resulted in uh, oil falling onto something hot and smoking. While I was thankful that guy was there to help us out with that, but we still had the fact that we were on the side of a road in a 16-foot box truck carrying all of our worldly possessions, and we didn't know how to get this truck to where we needed it to be. And so I called out for help. I phoned the AAA, which I pay for annually, but apparently not enough for them to help me with that box truck. So then I called my insurance company for help, thinking I pay them monthly, maybe they'll help me. And they did not. I was afraid to call the rental truck company because I did not want to be put to blame for this situation that I was in. But finally, we called the rental truck company. And they said, of course, yeah, we'll, we'll send somebody out to take care of it. It took them four and a half hours, but we finally did get off the side of the road, and they towed us right to the front door of our apartment-to-be uh, here in Oregon City. We hear the shouts of the people along the way from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem, and the word that is used is Hosanna. It's the reason that Melissa sang that song, Hosanna. And Hosanna literally translated means, save us. It's a call for salvation. Now, if you're drowning, you wouldn't be shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. This isn't the, like, the 911 of the ancient Israelite world. This is something that comes from Psalm 118. And if you want to really understand the passage that we're looking at today, there's two Old Testament scriptures you really need to look at. One is Psalm 118. It is a psalm of the Messiah. It is a psalm where the king has come and the king has brought salvation. And when it was written... It was written with the Davidic line of kings, the, the line of kings that came from King David in mind. But when you read Psalm 118, and then you read what's going on here in Luke today, you see that Jesus is stepping in and walking in the footsteps 
of this psalm of the king. There were lofty expectations already because the people clearly had this psalm on their minds. The other passage that people would have thought of when they saw this scene was Zechariah chapter 9, starting with verse 9. Because the whole riding a donkey into Jerusalem, that's straight from the prophet. There was a constant expectation, there was a constant search for what the rescue for God's people would look like. It had been talked about through the entirety of the Old Testament. People were on a high alert because the rescue of the Messiah would not just bring peace and prosperity. It would rescue Israel from her sins and it would, it would restore the fortune of Israel and the nations. And depending on who you talk to, this could range anywhere from a very spiritual idea all the way to a very worldly idea of power. And in the midst of it, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Luke doesn't record the palm branches being laid down as much as some of the other gospel writers do, but that's why we call it Palm Sunday. This ride into Jerusalem was also very fresh in the imaginations of the people. Israel was constantly under enemy occupation. And there's a long string of them, but there are two in particular that I wanted to mention this morning. This same sort of march was made by Alexander the, I call him Alexander the Okay, uh, or Alexander the Not-So-Great. Many people call him Alexander the Great because if you are uh, a military historian, you would say, yes, he, did, he was good at, he was great even at, at being a military guy, but he also had a lot of shortcomings. At any rate, Alexander the Great marched into Jerusalem, and he marched straight to the temple, and he compelled the high priest to let him give sacrifices in, on the altar of the Lord. But he did this at the compulsion of the sword. He did this by violence. Pompey was the Roman general who would come in later and conquer Jerusalem. Pompey wasn't so nice. Pompey marched straight in, went straight back into the Holy of Holies, saw no graven image of a god, no statue, no, no image, and walked out and pronounced that the, the, the Jews were atheists, that they had no god. Jesus takes up this same march. And he's going in, and his lordship is already being recognized. We saw it happen with the donkey. All Jesus had to, to, to say, or all of Jesus' disciples had to say, to get Jesus' ride into Jerusalem was, the Lord needs this donkey. Okay. It was already being recognized. 
But now Jesus is walking or riding, as it were, into Jerusalem as a king. And the king was seen to bring salvation. The king was seen to bring rescue. And the rescue that many people thought the Messiah would bring was a very worldly type of rescue. It was the type of rescue that would put the emphasis on the whole, restore the fortunes of Israel, overthrow the bonds of Israel's oppressor. But when we look at the salvation, the rescue that Jesus brings, we see that this is a very different type of rescue than anyone had in mind. Because what Jesus does is he reinterprets and puts his own definition on all of these expectations. When we hail Jesus as king, we trust in his salvation. We trust in his ability to save us. One of the things that Jesus saves us from is from praising the wrong things. If Jesus had come in military power, he would not have been coming in the power of God. If Jesus had come with the sword, it would have gone against everything that he had said about the kingdom, everything that he had said about who God is would have been denied by bringing the sword. Furthermore, even the people who are praising gets it, get it wrong. If we look at why the people were praising Jesus, it says, they began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Well, they were about half right. They were praising God for a miracle. But they were praising Jesus and praising God based on signs and wonders. They hadn't fully grasped who Jesus was yet. They hadn't fully seen what Jesus was up to. When we look at Jesus, when we look at Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem, we know that salvation is coming. We know that God intends to rescue us. But there are lots of things that we think are going to rescue us that we give praise and honor and glory to in our lives and in our world. And there are things that we praise that point to God. But through Jesus we see that God is good and God intends to rescue us from our troubles. Music and art and all of this is good and, and books and literature and food, it's all good things, but it points to a good God. Those aren't the ways out. Science is good and technology is good and we're seeing uh, lots of creative things being done right now with science and technology. But ultimately, it is God 
who created science. It is God who is, who is the mastermind behind the way that the world operates. And when we look to Jesus and when we put Jesus first and when we make Jesus our king, we give our praise to the right people. Jesus saves us from misplaced expectations. Many times when we're in trouble, when we're in situations that we, we don't know how to get out of, we start looking for solutions. We start looking for the things that might get us out of trouble. And we expect that this is going to work, and we expect that that's going to work. A friend of a friend had cancer, and he had an aggressive type of cancer. And he went all over the place trying different healing methods. He went to Georgia, and he tried a a faith healer in Georgia who took a lot of his money and offered no real healing. He tried Far Eastern meditation practices in hopes of being healed from the cancer. He had tried all sorts of medical treatments. But none of it truly was a cure. When we have the expectation that salvation is going to happen this way or that way, when we're going to be rescued from our problems by something other than trusting in God, it leads us all over the place. Now, don't mishear me. By the end of the week, there is no rescue for Jesus. Jesus will die on the cross by the end of the week. But while there's no rescue for Jesus, it's through Jesus that there's rescue for us. And our rescue may not come of this world. The fellow in the story who went all over the place died recently. And I don't don't know where he stood with Jesus at the end of all of it. But when we're followers of Jesus and we're in trouble that we don't seem to be able to get out of, we keep trusting God. When health problems come, we keep trusting God. At the moment of death, we keep trusting God. Because if we believe that this world is all there is, that this present age is the end, then we have reason to fear. But if we believe that God saves us, through Jesus Christ, then there's an age to come. And though we may perish from this present age, we continue to follow Jesus through the valley of death and into the age to come. Jesus also saves us from disappointment. It seems like within the past few years, There have been so many people who have been looked up to in our society who have been knocked off their pedestals. 
great creative types of people, people that we thought were, were men and women of, of virtue and honor. And we find out that they had some, some pretty dark things that they were hiding, that they had used people and abused people. And everybody's always surprised by this, and there's, there's always you know, no shortage of, of articles on the internet or, or things like that where people say, I can't believe this happened. I can. When we put our faith in humans, they're prone to let us down. We're all fallible, we're all broken. But the salvation of Jesus causes us to put our trust in God. Jesus rescues us from being disappointed in humans because we look at humans and our human leaders, myself included, and say, there are things about that person's life that point me to Jesus, but they're not without their problems. We look to Jesus, the King, and we're never disappointed because Jesus never lets us down. And we pray for people who are in positions of leadership. We pray for their integrity and we pray for their dignity and we pray for, their, uh, for them to make right, God-honoring decisions. but we shouldn't be too disappointed when they fail. But as we will see as this Holy Week progresses, Christ the King does not fail. The salvation of Jesus goes on and on, and it is true and trustworthy, and it deserves our praise. Psalm 118 is a great psalm of praise. And it's worthy of looking at here on Palm Sunday. There were a lot of messianic movements, a lot of people who could have been the Messiah, a lot of people who, who wanted to start a movement to put themselves in the position of the Messiah. And so as, as Jesus is going into Jerusalem and this great throng of praise is happening, in the midst of it are the Pharisees. And they've seen some of these people come along. And they kind of see what Jesus is up to. They're part of the crowd. All of these people who have questioned Jesus and challenged Jesus and all of this, they're now part of the crowd. And as the people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're quoting Psalm 118, the, the Pharisees say to Jesus, hey, can, can you get these people to, to stop being so upfront about this whole Messiah stuff? Because one, they, they don't want to incur the wrath of the Romans, but two, you kind of have a little bit of sympathy for the, the Pharisees because they, they the people could get their hopes up pretty high. And they don't want this Jesus to just be 
another one. But Jesus knows what he's all about. Jesus knows where the power of his salvation comes from. And Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, if I tell them to be quiet, the rocks will sing out. Because this is something new. God's new reality is breaking in. And by the time the week is over, we won't just see Jesus hailed as king. We will see the power of God breaking into our world and winning a victory that looks very much like defeat. But it tells us everything about our salvation. Because God is with us through every problem and trial and struggle we face. And rescue is on the way. Whether in this age or the one to come. But we fix our eyes on Jesus who brings the rescue of God. So we should do... Um, Melissa, do you... It's the first Sunday of the month... And in the tradition of our church, we celebrate the Lord's table on the first and third Sundays of the month. This is unusual because we are not physically gathered as a body of Christ. But if the church of Jesus is dependent solely on a one particular building, then we are truly lost right now. But I don't believe it is. The church is God's people. And whether you are a Baptist or a Methodist or an Episcopalian or a Lutheran or if you have no particular name for your flavor of, of belief in Jesus, but you claim the Lord Jesus and believe that he died on the cross for our sins and that God raised him from the dead, then you are part of the church of Jesus. And we believe that through his death, resurrection, and ascension, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And there's nowhere that Jesus is not present. So listener, as you, as you are there in your home or in your car or wherever you have to, happen to be today, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table, the feast of King Jesus. And you may have access to bread and grape juice, and if you do, fantastic. You can use bread and grape juice. But if you have donuts and coffee, that'll work. If you have Oreos and milk, that'll work, provided you're not lactose intolerant. If you have 
crackers and soda, that'll do fine as well. Because what's important is that we are paying attention to the presence of Christ in our midst. This is the feast of King Jesus. We come to this table much in the way that it was set for the disciples. It was set in expectation. It was set in excitement about what God was going to do. And while the disciples didn't fully grasp what was going to happen over the next few hours and days of their lives, Jesus told them through this meal. He gave them bread. And he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and it gave it to them, saying, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood and represents a new covenant between God and man. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so as we come to the Lord's table together, we have the bread and we have the cup and we're in the presence of the Lord so that we can recognize what it looks like to be with Jesus here so that wherever we go, we can recognize the presence of Jesus as well. And so recognizing the broken body of Jesus in the bread, let's take the bread together now. And in the same way, Let's remember the cup, the blood of Jesus representing a new covenant between God and man that all men and women might know the salvation of our God. Let's take the cup together. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 adds on that for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We would like to thank our music and youth director, Melissa Mellinger, for the music. We'd like to thank our church moderator, Jim Leatherman, for the prayer this morning. We'd like to thank our sound engineer, Gary Hunley, and his assistant, Doreen Hunley. And we would like to thank my wife, Katie, for moral support and for coffee provision. We pray that you have been encouraged, that you have been uplifted, and that you have uh, experienced the presence of Jesus wherever you are this morning. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands. Amen.